Welcome to the Sell the Sizzle podcast. If you need to sell an idea, a product, or a service, this is the show for you. We're going to be sharing sales secrets so you can be a sizzling success. Let's go. And welcome, Sizzlers, to another show. I'm so excited today. I have with me James I. Bond. He's one of the leading behavioral management and business marketing experts. He's managed to parlay this behavioral management expertise with helping businesses become more successful. And uh, he learned his tradecraft in running an ad agency and subsequently a behavioral management firm. And he's distilled all his wisdom into a book called Brain Glue, which I wrote and it was, which I read, very, very fascinating, with the subtitle of Making Selling Easier by Making Your Ideas Sticky. So uh, here we are on Sell the Sizzle. We, we, we want to sell. We want to make our ideas stick. So, James, welcome to the show. Oh, Mick, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I love your show. In fact, I was almost late because I was sitting and listening to more of your <laughs> podcast. I just like, I love you. You're just awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, well, especially because uh, you... selling is so important. People don't understand. Certainly, if our profession is selling, it's so important. But, you know, persuasion is everything. I mean, if somebody read my book and they said, hey, I was able to pick up this girl that I'm in love with, but she never wanted to go out with me because of my book. I'm like, I'm sorry. He said, no, no, that's, that was great, you know. But it's just, you know, we have to understand that who are the best salesmen in the world? There were people like Steve Jobs, you know, uh, like uh, uh, what's his name? Who started, who uh, built McDonald's, you know. Uh, Ray Kroc. Uh, Ray yeah. Kroc. I mean, these guys were salesmen. People have to understand that when we learn the sales skills, then we suddenly have the ability to sell our ideas. I mean, it's so critical. Exactly, exactly. And I think it was uh, Victor Hugo said uh, 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 a, an, uh, an, uh, um, an invasion of armies can be resisted, but not an invasion of ideas. Ideas are what empower people. It gets people to move in a different direction. It inspires people, right? And so if you are not able to persuade and that convey your ideas, then you're really not going to get very far. So we're all salespeople, um, as you as you alluded to there, James. We've all got to convince somebody of something, even if it's to you and your spouse to go to the the, the, the restaurant that you want to go to, right? Everybody, you learn this from a very early age. So people think sales is a bad word, but we all do it. We all persuade. We always convey arguments. And we're trying to enroll people with our point of view. And uh, you've made a study of this, James. So um, you know, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, so um, I'm originally from Montreal. I live in Southern California. I had an advertising agency in Montreal, and I had the opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in advertising. And I'm very logical. So I would talk about, uh, you know, just logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then I lost to the campaign of the guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain. And then he cracks the shell and drops the egg into a sizzling frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? <laughs> and they had an exaggerated sizzling sound, by the way. Okay, so you can imagine your brain being there. And it scared me because I knew it was infinitely more powerful than anything I knew how to do. 
but it was also uh, it was a, emotional selling, and they don't teach that in school. I mean, where I went to, to the library, and there's like no books on it. You know, emotional selling. And so I want to talk about because <clears throat> the name of your program is Sell the Sizzle, and it was Elmer Wheeler who originally came up with that. Don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. And I one of his my my favorite books of all time is Tested Sentences That Sell from Elmer Wheeler. He has this thing he describes, which is really. It, it explains brain glue like to the letter, okay? <clears throat> and it goes this way. So he was coaching uh, Macy's. The department store brought him in and said, could you help our salespeople? So if a salesperson walks up to you, what do they, and you're in the store, what do they normally say? Can I help you, right? He changed the phrase and he said, could you help me? He trained the salespeople to walk up to people and say, could you help me? <laughs> And people go, it's because it's programmed in the brain. And suddenly, so they go, okay, here he comes. Can you help me? Huh? What? You know, it's like it's he twists something that's already embedded in the brain. And that's one of the issues that's really critical is to understand brain patterns. By the way, what he did, which was profound, was he used something called redintegration, which is the brain's need for completion. So what's the most powerful tool of human interaction? I'm using it now, aren't I? Can you tell what I'm doing? What am I doing? Questions. Questions, exactly. yeah. Questions. Questions are really powerful. And so I learned this early on uh, in Canada. I won when I, I won um, Seagram's, okay, the, the, which is funny because I don't drink and I won Seagram's. It was really great. Perfect. Anyway, but I used to drink. But anyway, um, so I was used to walking in and showing our portfolio and samples of what we did and hoping something would resonate. But I recognize something. I want to back up for a second and say I was in business with my brother, one of my brothers for a period of time. I'm the oldest of four kids, boy, girl, boy, boy. And uh, we're uh, sitting with Avon Cosmetics trying to win a major account. And so the buyer from Avon looks at my brother and me sitting there and he says to my brother, John, John, it's between you and this other company. And frankly, your price is higher than the other guy. So my brother thinks for a minute, and he leans across the desk and says in a really low voice, why do you think the other guy's so cheap? There's a long pause, and then the guy goes, all right, I get your point. Hang on, I'll write up a purchase order. And I'm thinking, like, what the hell just happened? He's hiring us because our price is higher? But that's true. It's like, be, you know, uh, one of the things I teach in sort of small business administration is, that's exactly the reason why, okay? If somebody throws an objection at you, says, hey, your price is too high, that's exactly the reason why you should buy from us, okay? Like, don't be afraid and go, oh, well, we can lower our price because that's what I would have done. No, okay? So it's just, I learned this thing. Let me go back to Seagram's now. So I learned past, present, future. And it's just in the past, uh, that's why I was listening to the last one too. I listened to, I have two of them. But the second one was like, past present you were talking about the times time travel or the time zone whatever you call it okay yeah yeah so one of the most powerful questions you could ever ask sets of questions is past present future so i learned this okay past so have you ever so we had an advertising agency but this applies to any company okay advertising agency have you ever worked with an advertising agency before this past i don't care what they answer yes or no it doesn't make a difference to me what worked for you? What didn't work for you? No, we do our own advertising. Okay, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? Okay, and they would tell you. Okay, are you working with one now? Uh, yes or no, it doesn't matter. What's working for you? What's not working for you? 
And in the future, going to what you were saying in the, in the previous podcast, what's the ideal situation? And if you could be working with the ideal advertising agency, what would happen? You know, what would that relationship be? Describe that. Well, they just, if they, they answer these three sets of questions, they told you how to sell them. So I went into Seagram's. You know, and I'm used to going through my portfolio and showing them all the samples and just praying that something is going to resonate with them. But this time I didn't. I said, in fact, it was funny because I said, I'd like to show you samples of our work. And I leaned forward and he leaned forward. I said, but first, can I ask you a few questions? And I leaned back and then he leaned back and said, yeah, sure. Okay. And so I asked him that. And he started telling me how, you know, at Seagram's, you know, we spend like $50,000 to $100,000 to get the bottle and label because you know, it's sitting on a shelf and, you know, maybe it's something we're going to advertise or whatever else. And uh, we see like a lot of the work that's been done for us in advertising was terrible. It wasn't really showing off how great that bottle is or the label. And I had recently done a lighting catalog that had all kinds of lamps, plastic and glass and chandeliers and stuff. I said, oh, well, let me show you. We work with these guys. And I showed them that. And he went, oh, I wish I knew you guys before. So I wouldn't have gone through such pain. I hang on, I got a purchase order for you guys right now. We're going to give you work. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, so, and, I'm, and I'm because I'm so stuck in the old way. Do you want me to show you a sample? And he said, yeah, you don't have to. He said, okay, never mind. You know, I'm like, because I'm so used to showing samples. Right. But it's just the power of getting them to tell you. Also, the, the understanding of the patterns that are embroiled in the brain. You know, when we take a look at patterns that are embroiled in the brain, it's just, we can use that to, to to make a ton of money when we're describing our product, service, or business, okay? Like one of the things I like is humor. That if you can laughers are buyers. I have the I have two friends who are in the top hundred attorneys in America. And both of them were telling me how one of them specifically, and they said, Do not tell anybody who we are. So I'm not sharing their names, okay? But he said, uh, humor is the most important thing tool I have. And he says, if I can make the judge and the jury laugh, there's a better chance that I'm going to win a case. And there are a lot of people, a lot of attorneys that know they have a losing case and they give our cases to us. And I don't win every case, but I win a lot of these cases that they wouldn't win because I get the jury and the judge to laugh. You know, tell them a joke. Like I have a joke I tell. I said, um, I three religious women. And so I need a religious joke. I've got like a different jokes. I'm not the greatest joke teller, but I'll practice here. And I said, um, so, um, um, so a little girl comes up to mommy and says, mommy, daddy says we came from apes. You say we came from Adam and Eve. Honey, daddy's talking about his family. I'm talking about my family. You know? <laughs> so I said that joke. But then I realized Another woman comes up and I want to tell her a joke, but that's the joke I have. If I tell her that joke, the other women are not going to laugh because they heard the joke before. Okay. Cause they just heard the joke. And I realized the power of brain glue works this way because I was struggling. So I, I, I was struggling to come up with a way to explain brain glue, describe brain glue that people go, Oh, I get that. That makes sense. So I used to say, uh, Rhyme. Switch your pitch if you want to get rich. That was my first one. Okay. Switch your pitch if you want to get rich. Rhymes and it, it sticks. I like okay. That. Mm -hmm. Then I eventually wanted something a little more sophisticated, so I came up with one and I said, "Brain glue shows you how to light the fire of desire in your buyer." Okay. So that's the second one. But then I'm thinking I want to come up with a metaphor, and it was a little harder for me to come up with a metaphor. It took a while, but after I told the joke to these women, I realized. 
you know, it, it's 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 going to resonate. It's, you know, when I say something, people have to go, huh, what? Okay. And then they'll listen to you because we think people are listening to us, but they're not. There's, you know, I'm thinking, did I forget to close the windows of my car? Is it raining now? Uh, is, are we going to go through a divorce? Is my wife really pissed off at me? Uh, did I just win a client or did I lose a client? Or, you know, and while we're talking to them, da, 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 we're telling them this and that, and here's the product and everything else. And they go, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I Let me think about it. Or I'm not interested. Okay. Well, often they're not interested because it didn't resonate with them. They don't understand what you're selling. So I, I'm thinking with a, re, uh, a metaphor for mine, it's um, so when you leave your home and you drive down the street and you're passing all these homes or apartments, wherever you live, okay, you're not going to look at them every day and go, oh, look at that one. Look at that guy's house. Look at his roof. Look at that. You know, you're not, you've seen them every day. You're going to get in the car and drive down the street and just, you know, you're not even, you're focusing more on where you're going. Okay. But today you got in your car and you you turn on the ignition, you drove down the street and two houses down, you see flames coming out of the guy's window. <clears throat> What's that? Does he, his house is on fire. Does he know his house is on fire? Should I call 911? Is my house going to burn down? It wakes up the brain. Brain glue does that. It wakes up the brain. Okay. Because what you want to do is you want to recognize that you want to wake up the brain, either make them laugh or something. Okay. So. I, w I had a TV next to me, and I heard an ad for this thing called Blue Emu, which is uh, anti-arthritis cream. Okay, and it had Johnny Bench, famous uh, ex-baseball player, you know, in the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And I'm doing my work while I'm listening to it. You know, I'm not really listening. And he goes, Blue Emu, it works fast and you won't stink. What did he just say? He just woke up my brain. You know, it won't stink? What did he just say? You know? And then from that point forward, I was listening to his commercial, okay? When we're talking to someone, we have to remember that, you know, if you can't trigger the emotion centers of the brain, you think people are listening to you, but they're not. You know, I mean, think of this Lady Gaga. You know, she stole the name. Actually, her manager stole the name from um, a famous song, okay, Radio Gaga. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts. He was struggling and starving to death. He came up with the idea for Donut Shop, but suddenly he came up with the idea of Dunkin' Donuts, and, and people were standing outside wanting to buy from him. A famous Amos Cookies. You know, there's a guy who had virtually no money, and suddenly he started making a ton of money. So I have this guy I'm talking to, David Bear, B-A-E-R, and he's got an advertising company. So I said, why don't you call it Bare Naked Advertising? You know? People will go like, Bare Naked Advertising? What? And it wakes up the brain, okay? <clears throat> It's funny because he has a partner. So he was going, yeah, I'm not sure. His partner was going, what a great idea, you know? But sometimes, you know, we get, like, overwhelmed with, like, I don't know if I should say that. I have, I was getting a haircut the other day, and so my barber is sitting there in his shop, and he says, I'm thinking of changing my name because he read the book, you know? So I'm thinking of changing my name, and I can't think of what this change into. I don't know. You think we should change the name? And so I'm brainstorming with him while he's cutting my hair, and there's a whole pl the whole place is filled, okay? The barber shop, and it's got other hair barbers and all that. I said, so barber, what rhymes with barber? I don't know. Haircut, haircut. Oh, I know. And I use alliteration, which is like Coca-Cola, Best Buy, PayPal, Lululemon, TikTok. We don't even realize how many blockbuster products often started from nothing, but because they had alliteration, the repetition of sound, they become blockbusters. So I said, haircut, haircut heroes. Why don't you call it haircut heroes? Everybody in the place goes, what a cool name, haircut heroes. To put a, the name Haircut Heroes on it. 
But so we start to understand, you know. So, so James, James, let me stop you there. So yeah. I think what what I'm hearing from you is you're you're, you're trying to elicit an emotional response which triggers the uh, different part of the brain to a logical message. And it's it, that's what gets people to be alert and then to be attentive to what you're going to say next. Absolutely. There are two famous, there are several, but two famous studies that I know of. Uh, one from Harvard University and then uh, um, Daniel, uh, uh, Gerald, uh, whatever his name was, but this guy who's a... Uh, um, uh, Nobel Prize winning psychologist, and they discovered that more than 90% of buying decisions are emotionally triggered. You know, logic could be a part, but it's the emotion centers of the brain. So it's like, um, you know, we say you want someone to know, like, and trust you. Yeah, well, that's definitely one of the things you want. By the way, an easy way to get someone to trust you is to tell them uh, something negative about yourself. We don't normally do that. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. I had this guy who was selling, um, <clears throat> um, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, services for people that ship shipping services. Okay. And he was struggling trying to get new clients. And I said, so who's an ideal client for you? He says, anyone who ships. And I said, eh, I don't agree with you, you know? And it took a while. And he finally said, someone who uh, sells more than 5,000, but less than $50,000 worth of shipping every month, you know, shipping through UPS and mm -hmm. shipping companies yep. and all that stuff. Right. And he said, because less than 5,000 isn't really worth our effort. More than fifty thousand, you could probably get a better price from UPS or from some of the other shippers. But between five and fifty thousand, we could easily get better prices for you and better terms and all that stuff. And so he suddenly found that when he said that to people, it became easier uh, to prospects. It became easier to get them as clients because they were, you know, they suddenly you triggered an emotion part of the brain where they went, "Hey, he's telling me something that's." You know, that makes sense, that is is a limitation to him. And because he's telling me I can't sell to everybody, then suddenly that makes him more believable. I used to say, um, uh, so I'm in marketing and uh, I'm supposed to be a marketing expert, right? <laughs> uh, Steve Jobs invented a camera on a phone. And I went, who needs a camera on a phone? Boy, was I stupid. You should see my phone. I got like thousands, I don't know, like 20,000 photographs. I'm like, it's like, you know. But just because we're experts doesn't we know doesn't mean we know what to do. So then this is a powerful thing about I, I talk about products and stuff like that, but brain glue is about persuasion. Okay, and so let me give you some examples of other famous people like uh, President John F. Kennedy said, "Ask not what your country can do for you; ask what you can do for your country." And that resonates with the brain because it uses something called chiasmus, which is kind of a flip. Okay, it's like all for one and one for all. It's a flip. Okay, you're sort mm -hmm. of flipping it. Uh, um, 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 Malcolm X, who was a famous civil rights activist, said we he wanted to get people to understand how hard it was being a black person back in those days. I guess it is now too. But so he would say, so he could say, you have no idea how hard it is being a black person. But would that resonate as much as we didn't land on Plymouth Rock? The rock landed on us. Wow, what? What did he just say? You know, he's also said, you know, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. So I have this thing, these two phrases I came up with. One is, you know, trying to get somebody to have an open mind. So if I said, come on, you got to have an open mind to things. They goes, I oh, know, he's not going to listen. So I came up with a metaphor and I said, you know, you have to have an open mind. I mean, think about it. Your mind is like a parachute, it works best when it's open. And he went, 
Hmm. Okay. I have another one. Okay. I was trying to say we have this program we sell, a coaching program we're helping somebody with. And so um, I'm trying to say that, you know, you waste too much time learning stuff that you'll never use. We've got this one thing you can use that you can actually use. Okay. Okay. But that doesn't sound very resonant. How about if I said, <clears throat> it doesn't matter how many keys. So I would start by saying, you know, you're wasting too much time learning stuff you don't know how to use. Think about it. Okay. It doesn't matter how many keys you have. If you don't have the right key, you'll never be able to open the door you want. And I tried this on someone and they went like, hmm, hmm, that's interesting. You know, I said, so think of all the knowledge you have, okay? If you don't have the right key, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. It doesn't matter how many keys you have. If you, if you don't have the right key, you'll never be able to open the door you want. So let's talk about the door you want. And suddenly it just did, wow, people went, you know, you know, I mean, I, I love brain glue. I obviously, I love it. I just, even my wife is like, I wake up, hey, Pam, I got to look at, I just read this article. I said, okay, what? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, how would you like to invent a product and your biggest competitor or enemy steals it from you, becomes rich and you struggle and starve to death? Would that be fun? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so. Post Cereals and Kellogg Cereals, they're competitors, okay? <clears throat> so the head of Post Cereals was pissed off. He said, like, we got to come up with something that's fantastic. And he invents this product that's incredible. And it's like a little cake with jelly inside it. And you put it in the toaster. And it when it comes out of the toaster, it's nice and we got this nice warm cake. You can eat it for breakfast. You can eat it for snacks. It's really a great idea. And he was so excited about it. <clears throat> he called it Country Squares. And he was so excited about it that he promoted it to the media three months before he launched the product. He said, look at this, this product. And he took photographs of it or video or whatever. And the media talked about it. And so the head of Kellogg's was looking at this and went like, oh, what an amazing product. He's launching it in three months. He told all his internal guys, we have to invent this. Look at that. I want you to look at that and invent the same. We got to figure out how to make the same thing. Okay. And they Pop did. Talks. And then he said, yep. And then he said, now we have to come up with a name that's going to be a blockbuster because there's this country squares. So it pops out of the toaster. So we should have the word pop. And then that's, uh, you know, I, I call it sense elevation, picking a sound that's uh, like plop, mm -hmm. plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Alka-Seltzer, you know, when you have things like that or um, <laughs> smells like teen spirit to the, the Kurt Cobain song, you know, Ooh, what does teen spirit, spirit smell like? Ugh. You know, a locker room. But, you know, when you ha use an, a sense and elevate the sense, it, people, it wakes up the brain. Okay. So pop should be pop. And back then, Andy Warhol was famous as a pop artist. And people loved Andy Warhol and knew him. And he had these famous things that were all over the media and stuff like that. So he went, he used uh, what, what I call um, anchoring, which is you're taking something that already exists in the brain and twisting it so you can use it. Okay. <clears throat> so he said, pop art. Why don't we call it pop tarts? Then it's pop out of the toaster and it's pop tarts. Everybody knows the word. The rest, they say, is history. They became, they launched the product one week before. Country Squares got launched, of course. Okay, your competitor. <laughs> Sales exploded. They couldn't actually carry enough product. They actually ran ads apologizing. We're so sorry we ran out of product. But hold on. In a few days, we'll have more product available. Nobody bought Country Squares. They waited for Pop-Tarts to become available. <clears throat> Pop-Tarts became the largest selling product that Kellogg's ever had. 
And within six months, as much as hard as they tried, uh, uh, Post stopped selling Country Squares because no one was when, buying when, it. When, when was this, James? What time frame was this? Well, when Pop-Tarts first started, I guess what in the uh, mid-60s. Uh, late, oh, uh, way the, back, yeah. You know, the late, no, they're, they're uh, you know, still, oh, sorry, not, it's early 70s. Yeah, they're still incredibly uh, popular. My kids eat pop it's tarts. It's popular. Well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. My kids too. We have other things anyway. But I was just when we understand that there are things that you can trigger on the brain, and when you trigger, when you're sitting and talking to somebody, you know, we think they're listening. You know, and you know, but their, their brain is not a hundred percent listening to us. And that's why you know I was I heard the commercial. It's like you know it works fast and you won't stink. It's like what. You know, they have the vagina monologues, okay? Eve Ensler came up with a Broadway play about women's rights and what women have gone through and women's hardship. She called it women's rights and women's hardship. You know, would people go to it? Uh, I don't know. But she said, no, let me call it the vagina monologues. I'm not saying that's the best thing, but, you know, it was for her. And it turned it into a blockbuster. HBO is doing a special on the vagina monologues. It sticks to the brain. So we don't have to swear all the time, although Big Ass Fans is a good example. He, he, he came up with the name Big Ass Fans, and suddenly he sold his business after 15 years for $500 million. I mean, you know, all because of Big Ass Fans. So, but so, when we understand so, so, these tools. So, so, James, you know, for, for the average, you know, listener here is trying to grow their business, um, is is your message, hey, we've got to come out with some kind of uh, patent interrupt outrageous name for our service? Or what, what, are, what are the three or four techniques you'd employ if I hired you uh, to, to help me grow my business? Um, you know, what would be the three or four things that you would espouse? Well, I, I would definitely get you to buy the book, Brain Glue, because Brain Glue has 14 <laughs> tools, okay? And each one of the tools is powerful. But so let me... <laughs> So I love saying this, okay? Here's this kid who has almost no money. He borrowed some money from his dad um, and uh, became a billionaire, a billionaire with the help of one word, okay? What was the word? So let me give you another example before I explain that. What does billionaire Richard Branson, Madonna, and olive oil have in common? The word virgin. Okay, virgin olive oil. Madonna's like a virgin touched by the very first. I'm not going to read that. That's terrible. Okay, but that became a blockbuster song for her. And for him, so he borrowed money from his dad and he started a magazine for musicians. Okay, a music magazine for musicians. And then he decided to start a record company and he called it Virgin Records. Okay, why Virgin Records? Because it attracts attention. Whoa, Virgin? Okay. And he's, you know, and he ended up getting people like the Rolling Stones and like a lot of famous people that joined up and they loved the name Virgin Records. Okay. Hey, I'm part of Virgin Records. And then now he's got Virgin Airlines and all that stuff. But he bought all these things. What you want to do is, to me, there are a few things you want to do. The first thing you want to do is, Brain Glue is for logical people who want to sell emotionally. Okay. I love Zig Ziglar because Zig Ziglar said, you know, Here's the selling is nothing more than a transference of passion. Okay. And to me, that was really powerful. He said, if you're passionate about something, you know, we'll give you tools to sell better, but you can sell because you're passionate about it. Oh, this is fantastic. You got to, you know, okay. 
But what, so what brain glue is about the transference of passion. And so it starts this way. Um, the first thing you do is you come up with a logical description of your product or service. And so with a lot of salesmen, you don't get the opportunity to change the name of your product, but you do get a chance to change uh, the descri- description of your product. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so, um, you know, I had a rhyme, switch your pitch if you want to get rich. Okay. Uh, like the fire of desire in your buyer. Okay, so uh, coming up with a rhyme is really good. And in fact, I have this really good line I want to share with you, and that is, um, if the glove doesn't fit, you have to acquit. Okay, that was uh, O.J. Simpson's attorney, Johnny Cochran, getting him off on a murder trial. Okay, and the jurors said, well, we knew if the glove doesn't don't fit, you have to, doesn't fit, you have to acquit. With the glove didn't fit, so we had to acquit. Okay, if I was an attorney competing, he would have said. If the glove doesn't fit, you have to acquit. And OJ pretended the glove didn't fit him. I would have said, you have to love how he faked the glove. Come on, guys. You have to love how he faked the glove. I would have shown a picture of him trying to glove on. Hey, come on. Hey, you have to love how he faked the glove. He's an actor, remember, huh? He ha- you have to love how he faked the glove. And I would have beat him with rhyme, okay? Because they would have had two rhymes to remember, not one. But so just... Rhyme is so the first thing you want to do is come up with the words that relate to your product or service. Okay. Okay. I come up with all the different words that relate to your product or service. And then find words that rhyme with that. Start there. Okay. Rhyme is really powerful. Then the second thing I would do is I would do um, uh, um, a metaphor or a simile. You know, complete this phrase. My idea or product is just like blank. And I'm going to give you two examples. One is, and be as crazy as possible, start there, okay? <clears throat> you know, brain glue is just like a, if you had a naked guy running through your backyard, would you notice? <laughs> That's what brain glue is. It's like having a naked guy running through their backyard. You know, they're going to stop and go, whoa, what the hell's that? Okay? That's what you want. So you have a start with a crazy idea. So we had a, you know, one of California's leading, one of America's leading behavioral management firms. And we use psychology. In one of the t- services we offer, we use psychology to get people uh, to tackle something a little bigger, out of their comfort zone, a little bigger than they could tackle on their own. And so we would talk, and I would have some consultants. We had like a, a psychologist, PhDs in psychology and organizational development. We had like 21 employees. And our people would sit and talk to clients, and you could see their eyes glazing over. Like, we apply this psychology thing and read integration. We do this, and, da, 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 and they kind of go like, oh, okay, and I realized we need a metaphor or analogy. And one day I'm sitting and I'm, think, I'm thinking of um, personal trainers. A personal trainer can get you to do more push-ups than you can do on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Come on, Mick. Come on. Five more. Four more. Come on. Three, three, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay, good. Now we're going to get you to do sit-ups. Let's do 10 sit-ups. Do I have to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. You know, a personal trainer can get you to do more push-ups than you can do on your own. Well, we're like a personal trainer from a psychological standpoint. We can get your people to tackle a bigger project, a slightly bigger project, than they can tackle on their own. And as a result, your company will grow like crazy. See how much easier it is to understand what our, our surface or business is by using a metaphor. So that's why So the first thing is definitely come up with words that relate to your product or service. Then the second thing is come up with words that rhyme with those words and to see if you can create a little pitch. Switch your pitch if you want to get rich. <clears throat> And then the next thing you want to do is come up with, uh, complete the phrase, my product or service or idea is just like blank. 
and have as much fun as you want with it. And the more fun you have with this, and remember, if you can make them laugh, it's even easier. I helped this mm-hmm. construction company go from two to ten million in sales. They they reached two million in sales after ten years. Ah, I took them to ten million in one year, and they reached thirty-two million two years later. And it's because they were selling to fire restoration for insurance companies, which I had to learn what that is. But it's like any insurance company has a client that has a fire, and so we came up with the phrase and said, "But just think of us as the fire extinguisher for insurance companies." What? They would start laughing, <laughs> but laughers are buyers. When we got back to the office, the phone was ringing. Okay, fire extinguisher, I got a fire to put for you guys to put out. And they would laugh. And their sales, because they came up with this a, a metaphor or analogy, their sales exploded. And they literally went in one year from 2 to $10 million in sales because laughers are buyers, but it also resonated with their with their clients. Right. Yeah, it's, it, we often – you know, with the curse of knowledge, you know, we talk about our product or service in so much detail uh, that we confuse the client. The client or the prospect has no idea what it is, and they're really looking for something simple that they can absorb and identify with. And what you've given us is a really easy way to be able to position, you know, your product or service in something that's already in there in their brain they can all because we're all looking for patterns right we're all looking to us you know which box does this fill in if it doesn't fit in a box or it's too confused i don't know how to file it i don't know how to store it what does it match with and uh you know having that story that relates it's like is a very powerful way of creating that and allowing us to absorb that information absolutely and then just a couple more things on this okay so and when I work with the Small Business Administration, sometimes we'll have 30 or 40 people. Sometimes we'll have three, four, five hundred 500 people, okay? And I ask people these two questions, and we all need to know the answer to this, okay? Without using the word – so what are you competing with or what are the alternatives? And without using the words quality or price, why should somebody buy from you? And it's amazing how many people have difficulty answering that question. Um, well, I, that's the backbone of what you're what you're selling. You know, it's like why should they buy from you instead of not buy from anybody or do it themselves, or why should they buy from you instead of buying from the suppliers they have right now? You know, can you answer that question? And another one, which kind of helps you with this, is who are you? Who should not buy from you? Okay, not everybody should buy from you. Not everybody is ideal as a prospect. So let could you let them know? We're really good for this type of, of client, but for these types of businesses, we're not really very good, or for these types of consumers, are not very good, because you can probably do it on your own, or or it's probably not interesting for you. But for these, if you're interested in this, and this could be valuable. I mean, these are powerful questions that help. You know, we don't understand. I mean, you and I, Mick, are in sales. We were, I'm in marketing, you're in marketing, but <clears throat> focusing on sales. And s- selling is nothing more than helping somebody to to analyze what are they using like a doctor you know what's the pro what are you using what are the problems you're faced with and is that something i can help you with and saying i, I can't help everybody but your type of business i can actually help because i da, 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 da. you know that makes you much makes the prospect much more receptive to listening to you and that's basically how selling has to be you know when you do I, it that I, way yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I say to people, you know, two two powerful questions, which are a different articulation of what you just put forward, James. You know, what problem do you solve, and who do you solve it for? 
So if you're not clear what 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 you what what it is that you do, that's really niche down. The more specific it is, and the simpler it is to digest. And if you can use some kind of metaphor or description, emotional description that gets an attachment to it, simply they can absorb that and also tell them this is this is who I help. And de facto, I'm excluding these types of people because the more specific you are the more it resonates with them and they feel part of yeah i identify with the group you've just talked about and and the most important part of defining who you're ideal for whose problem you solve is whose don't you i'm i'm amazed by because once you start to find you have to define you have to be clear. So what I'm saying, hey, I can help most people. I can't help every business, but I can help most people. If you, no, 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 okay. If you can't define that, they most of the time won't accept you, okay. You you have to be clear. So it changes how our attitude. You know, a lot of it is our attitude. If I walk in and go, ah, oh, I'm so glad we're talking. I'm gonna, you're gonna love this. You're gonna brain glue. You know, I mean, so part of it is emotion. But your passion will rise when you're saying we're not. Like a doctor, we're not for everyone, okay? But if you've got a, you know, if you're in sales, you want to learn this stuff because, you know, you want to knock the socks off your competitors. If you're competitive, you want to just walk away and ha, 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 I won the account. They, they pitched them, but I won it. Ha, ha, ha. You know? You know, it, uh, it's... I, it, I like your question, um, why buy from you, but without using the words quality or price? Because a lot of companies that I talk to, they'll say something like, well, we've we've been in business 27 years and blah, blah. Well, okay. But, but hey, if somebody could be in business, you know, one year, if they do an, a really exemplary job and they're the best, I, I want them. So what is it? Tell me more about why have you existed for 27 years? What's your mission? Are you part of the community? What value do you deliver? And turn that into a story. And the reason why is because, you know, my business was handed down. And you've got a story around that. It makes it much more powerful than, you know, that many years in, in, in business. Everybody says that. It sounds trite. And as you say, it doesn't get past the attention test, the sniff test. It just washes over you and they're waiting to hear something. And then they hear something like, you know, and we're the most cost competitive. And then you're in on the price game. And you don't well, want to be competing on price. Well, and that's why you need to start occupying your brain with emotional words. Who loves you? Not who are your clients. Who loves you? And why do they love you? Okay? It's one of the things I train people is <clears throat> read your testimonials. Read your testimonials. They're going to often say stuff that you wouldn't say. Okay? <clears throat> I mean, I read testimonials for my book. It's great. Thank you. I'm glad you guys love the book, by the way, everybody out there who reads it. But but it's just, you know, I read the testimonials. And, man, I can sell it just by repeating what it says in the testimonials because they're, they're better salesmen than I am. Okay? But that's what you want is you want to think of love. You know, you want to think of emotion. I want to sell by emotion. I want to transfer emotion. So I want to think of who loves my product or service. Okay, and why do they love my product or service? And now what you're doing is you're focusing on the emotion sides of the brain, you or yourself. And now it triggers, it transfers over to the other side. You say, man, these guys love it. Not everybody loves my service, our service that we have, because it isn't right for every company, blah, blah, blah. But we work for these guys. They love this because suddenly we solve the core problem. They got rid, you know, blah, 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 you know, and they start explaining that. When you're saying, don't use the word quality. Well, but we have higher quality. 
What does that mean? Tell me, explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Give me the details. What part is quality? You know, <clears throat> when you start explaining that and defining that, it becomes easier for people to understand like, oh, you know, why do people? And, but the more you can implant in your own mind and heart word, emotional words like love and start with that. Who loves your product and service? Why do they love your product and service? You know, uh, we're selling uh, shipping services. Well, we've got these tons of guys, but let me tell you this one guy, Joe Fredrickson, and man, he can't believe how much he's making like 10% more profit on every product he sells because he's working with us. He can't believe how he was overpaying on all his services. See, now you can say it because now you're relating to a person and it's emotional. And that's what you want is the more you can transfer your your logic and logical reasons why people buy to emotional selling, you'll sell people more than anyone else. I mean, if you had somebody you hated, and here's a rep, I can't stand this guy. He's got bad breath and the guy's never got his hair combed or whatever else. Are they going to buy from Are you going to buy from him? <laughs> probably not unless he has something that's urgent that you need. You're probably going, nah. But some guy comes in and he tells you jokes and he's fun, but he also tells you an emotional reason why, man, this is great. These guys love this. Look at this. You know, I know what you were saying, Mick, in one of them that the the first seller is often the, the one that makes the sale. But there are many cases when the first seller is not the one that makes the sale because they plant the seeds and get them thinking, but they haven't known, they didn't know how to close the sale. So the second guy comes in or girl. And starts getting him emotionally excited. And you go like, ah, now the first guy told you logically why you should buy it. The second one said, yeah, this is cool. And now you're emotionally triggered and you want to buy from the person. And, so, yeah. And James, on, on that point, and I know you listen to this podcast where I, I talk to people about the concept of time travel. Travel forward in aspiration to where the client is very excited and emotionally attached to the outcome. So I will say to them, as you talked about earlier, um, you know, what would success look like if, if everything worked perfectly in two, three, four years time, what it looked like. And they infuse themselves with all of the, the, all of the problems fall away. They just see excitement and opportunity. And if you can attach yourself to that vision, right, that emotional energy, then as you say, the logical person is just saying, okay, this is how we're going to deal with all of these problems. And you're attached to this nirvana of emotional success who do they want to talk to? They want to talk to you. They believe in you. So, uh, And it works both on both sides. Of this. I love what you're saying. So we have to say, what does success look like for us? But when we're talking to the prospect, we have to say, what does success look like for you? And mm-hmm. we got to trigger that too. Like, tell me, what are you looking? What do you wish you had? You know, and the more we can trigger that in the prospect, you know, the more they're going to go, well, huh, you know what I, if, if I had the ideal shipping company or whatever else it was, you know, advertising company, or whatever else it was, we'd be doing this and I'd be making so much money, blah, 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 whatever, you know, if you can get them saying that and you can see emotion in their face, there's a very, very good chance you're going to close that sale. That's a great. Make sure you ask for the close, by the way. Yeah. Uh, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Always, always, always ask for the order, ask often and ask again. That's right. Um, so let's close this out, uh, uh, James. It's been fantastic. I'm just going to summarize a few things just to see if I heard you uh, correctly because you're definitely emotionally connected with me. And uh, I'm sure you did with our sizzlers, with your with your energy and your anecdotes. Um, so some simple – well, first of all, go get 
go get James's book, Brain Glue. It's fantastic. Um, but some things we shared today was, you know, think about the words you use around selling your product or service. That would be the logical articulation of what you do. Then make it a little bit more exciting by creating some rhymes that would describe, uh, you know, those products and services. Uh, thirdly, Think of some kind of story or metaphor, which would then say it's a little like and try and identify with something that you think that your audience already has in their in their in their minds. Uh, Fourthly, draw some inspiration by going and uh, talking to your customers, getting some testimonials. You probably got some on your website. Do some voice of the customer interviews. Ask them what they love. Right, and you're going to get all this ammunition then that enable you to sell with emotion. So some very very powerful techniques, and we haven't even covered. Uh, I think you've got eleven different techniques in the book, uh, James. Fourteen. Um, Fourteen. Fourteen. There you go. Um, so this was fabulous. So how can they get hold of the book? And if they want to, how they can they get hold of you, James? Well, the first, if you go to Amazon, we're on Amazon and other bookstores. Brain glue. So you can do that. If you do braingluebook.com, it'll take you right to the book on Amazon, which is really good. And it's got, I mean, we've got good testimonials and stuff, but we also got like Amazon lets you look at and listen to some part of the books and stuff like that. So Brain Glue Book is an easy way to get to the site. Also, there's a page called yesbrainglue.com. If you do yesbrainglue.com, it just gives you lots of details. But if you just want to go and check out the book, braingluebook.com is an easy way to do it. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, James, thank you for um, distilling, you know, your many, many years of experience and, and, and communicating them powerfully in such a short time on the podcast. I know oh, Nick, thank you my, so much. my audience, our sizzlers who are listening, will have enjoyed it. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, look, look forward to your book sales soaring as a result of this interview. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, James. And sadly, we've come to the end of another great show. Please, could you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review if you enjoyed this show? Secondly, if you go to sellthesizzle.net, I've got some fancy artificial intelligence that will interrogate all of my episodes and give you any of the answers that you need on sales. So you have to go to the website, you can do it on your phone or on your computer, sellthesizzle.net, and you can see just see a search bar at the top. So if you type something in there like cold call or objection handling, it'll pull out all the chapters in the episodes that talk about that specific subject. Have fun with that. Let me know how you get on and we'll see you next week. <laughs>